What's up guys, welcome back to the show. This is actually the second intro I've been recording because in the first one, I referred to my guest as Haas and then I realized he pronounced his name Haas. So my guest today is Haas McCook. Uh, Haas has been involved, well he's a civil engineer first of all, and he's been involved in exploring the uh, environmental impact of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, the costs associated with it, kind of the energy dynamics around that. And he's also more recently gotten into uh, speaking about Bitcoin in terms of, in religious terms, and making comparisons there. So uh, Alex Svetsky introduced me to Haas for the first time, or to Haas for the first time uh, on our, when, when, we, when we had our conversation. Then I looked into a bit more, looked into him a bit more and thought, yeah, this would probably be a fun conversation. So got him on the show. Uh, this is the further discussion portion. So this is where we take about an hour and 15 minutes and just have a general open conversation. Of course, the rapid fire episode is available now too. That's where we ask, you know, the standard set, that's where I ask the standard set of Bitcoin related questions and then some word associations uh, at the end. So if you want to hear more from Hass, definitely check that out as well. That's it. Enjoy. Sweet, man. Well, look, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to jam with me today. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, me too. Me, uh, me, me even more than you, I'd say. <laughs> I hear you had a, well, you said the other day you had a good time in Riga and some good conversations with our mutual friend, Gigi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I told him the other day that uh, to, to watch out for this one because this one's especially for him. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna get into the really uh, deep rabbit hole aspects of this, but you are kind of known for uh, making sense, bringing clarity to kind of the environmental, the energy discussion around Bitcoin. So, and I think you know why that's important. Obviously, is because there's so much. There's a lot of misconceptions. Um, this is a source of a lot of resistance to uh, people that otherwise might be interested in Bitcoin. I had a conversation with a friend a couple months ago and, you know, very forward thinking guy, very interested in quote unquote crypto, um, but even interested in, in, you know, in Bitcoin. But he was, you know, expressing grave concerns about the the energy usage and you know the, the rebuttal is often well did you know that it's a majority you know renewable clean energy and and then you get into conversations about comparing the energy usage or the energy devoted to the bitcoin network versus other monetary media and then you know you could go even deeper and say well look at all the different energy inefficiency caused by a fiat money system like something like let's say the the u.s uh military right that's commonly cited as one of the big you know energy consumers slash polluters in the world and how much would that be restricted if we were on a different monetary standard yada 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 so i think this is a an issue that's probably going to become more um it's going to pop up more in the mainstream media over the next little while so why don't you give me your uh, your kind of spiel and bring some sense to this issue for for everyone so this is uh, this is rapid fire right well, we'll get into rapid fire at the end, but yeah. Okay, so effectively, uh, uh, the talk I gave in Riga was uh, titled "Yellow Rock Bad, Orange Coin Good." <laughs> so uh, it was a twenty-minute talk, and I spent maybe uh, three minutes speaking about the environmental impact of Bitcoin. So here's the here's the long and short of it. Sure. It doesn't matter like how much energy use as long as the energy is clean 
uh, energy use isn't a bad thing. So one of uh, one of my uh, talking points, one of my slides was energy good, emissions bad. Right. So the thing that has allowed uh, civilization to prosper really is the discovery of uh, of better, larger energy sources. So uh, one could argue that civilization kicked off with the discovery of fire. And, you know, we moved from fire to, to timber to coal to, you know, uh, uh, steam, solar, nuclear, wind, all of that, all of that good stuff. And as, as, uh, as we unlock uh, more power and have uh, abundance uh, in power and green power, uh, you know, that, uh, you know that's, that's not a bad thing. The, the, the more energy, the more energy, the better, as long as we can, uh, uh, you know, harness it cleanly and safely. Right. And do you talk much about, because I think a lot of people who express this criticism, they fail to realize the degree to which this kind of insatiable hunt for energy that Bitcoin is igniting will lead to more energy efficiency, more use of sustainable energy resources, more subsidy, you know, effectively subsidizing um, green energy and renewable energy. Do you talk about that much? Uh, I uh, I talk about it in the context of what pension funds and the like can do to get skin in the game in Bitcoin. So here's here's what I mean. So uh, a nuclear power plant it's uh, you know not not cheap to construct, uh, but pension funds typically have uh, a lot of equity, and what they require out of an investment is a uh, consistent cash flow. It's called asset liability matching. So pension funds have to, you know, pay out pensioners sort of, you know, a fixed amount consistently every month. So they love assets uh, that match those liabilities. And uh, what better asset uh, to get your skin in the Bitcoin game is selling picks and shovels to the to the miners in the in the form of, you know, 30-year concessions over a, a over, you know, a couple of gigawatts of power at a, at a particular rate. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think uh, Bitcoin mining is going to push a lot of investment in uh, in in energy in general. And uh, as a rule of thumb, and you know what we're seeing these days as uh, as uh, investment increases and technology improves, uh, the majority of of new generation coming online uh, is renewable. Right, and you just see this accelerating, right? Well, if the if the pension funds know what's uh, good for them, I reckon uh, it's a much lower risk play than uh, than holding bonds. So someone will eventually will eventually figure it out, and uh, you'll see a, a lot of big money going into just energy investment uh, to uh, you know to to win over the the business of mining companies. Right. Uh, you know, s- sell them uh, energy at a at a good rate in a in a good. Uh, uh, you know, legal uh, jurisdiction, good regulatory jurisdiction. Uh, yeah, I definitely see a see an energy energy arms race. That that to me seems like such a big deal, and it's you know a lot is missed about Bitcoin in the mainstream media. But just the impact that this thing is going to have on the energy efficiency, the types of energy used, the energy market in general. You know, I've heard you know you've said that Bitcoin is the monetization of energy. Um, and that's an interesting concept. Maybe you can maybe you can flesh that one out a little bit. So this is where we come back uh, uh, to to the spirit, the soul, and uh, and religion. Let's do it. And you know, cosmic kind of stuff. 
Well, well, religion. In t- a lot of people recoil at the at the term religion. Mm-hmm. So here's uh, so I always go to a neutral source, and I just go to the dictionary. And in the dictionary, uh, all that religion simply means is a uh, is a set of beliefs and rituals. And uh, and that is the definition of uh, of religion. So uh, you know, I have uh, my Bitcoin beliefs, and I have my Bitcoin rituals. But going back uh, to the monetization of energy, everything in the world—sorry, not world—everything in the in the universe and and multiverses, uh, uh, if uh, if they do exist, is uh, simply made of made of energy, mass energy, all interchangeable. Uh, can't create energy or destroy it. Uh, all energy that was uh, uh, in existence was you know distributed amongst the universe. Uh, you know, at, at, at inception at the Big Bang. And uh, just like Bitcoin, energy is uh, finite, uh, but infinitely divisible. Uh, now, a lot of people say, you know, only two things, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, scarce is, uh, is, uh, is time and Bitcoin. Uh, I, don't, I don't adhere to that. Uh, time is infinite. Uh, so the only true, uh, truly scarce asset uh, in the universe is uh, is Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is simply uh, 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 monetized energy. In that, uh, to produce a Bitcoin, you have to you know transform energy through an ASIC into Bitcoin. Right. So we are all Bitcoin. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin is just simply the digital representation of uh, of this you know stored monetized energy. And what happens? If in a in a future time, we find far more like orders of magnitude revolutionary ways of accessing more energy, uh, more inexpensively, and if that's applied to the Bitcoin network, what impact does that have? Well, you well, I'd I'd say that's sort of uh, heading towards of a more like a Star Trek uh, utopian you know era of of abundance kind of thing. Uh, but look, energy, even you know, very cheap energy, uh, like like hydro, uh, always needs a needs a huge upfront uh, capital investment. So free electricity, uh, it, I don't think it can uh, thermodynamically be you know a a concept. I think there's always there's always got to be a cost to electricity, uh, but you know costs will, will tend exponentially down and. Uh, and energy usage will tend exponentially up. Right. Uh, I think I think an, an enormous amount uh, of energy is going to be used to keep the Bitcoin running in what I call the hereafter, uh, which is uh, uh, a post-type of Bitcoinized world. So the so the, the hereafter is a very very big concept on uh, in my religious interpretation <laughs> of Bitcoin. What does it mean exactly? Uh, so I've got a I've got a little tag, uh, hashtag sack, stack sats for salvation. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the best ways uh, you know you can you can save yourself and uh, collect rewards for a, for a good hereafter is uh, is simply uh, simply stacking sats and uh, and you'll be safe in in the hereafter. Now the hereafter. Uh, you know, there's a there's a hell version and a and a heaven version, uh, and uh, you know it it'll be very bold of me to 
you know, try to try to make a prediction of uh, uh, which uh, which way it'll go. Uh, but I believe in the in the utopian vision, and that's the and that's the one, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be fighting for. Right. What do you think the you know I've I've given some thought lately to how not only will you know renewable energy will there kind of be a boom in it because of you know what Bitcoin brings to the table, but there seems to be a lot of waste energy all around us all the time, just inefficiencies in the use of energy. Do you see any ways in which, you know, I know, you know, upstream is kind of the most, uh, you know, the one that's gotten the most attention lately for taking a quote unquote waste energy in, in flaring and, and using that toward mining Bitcoin. Do you see any other examples of that on the horizon? Uh, yeah. Uh, Steve's doing a great job now. Uh, uh, so uh, I think uh, I think there's enough waste gas in the world uh, that if Steve had uh, had rigs taking all of that uh, you know natural natural gas, he'd be able to do like a a 75% attack. Like there is a lot of waste, uh, like wasted energy, like uh, gigawatts worth, easily enough to power the Bitcoin network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's always new types of energy technology, uh, coming around. Stanford did, uh, did a great proof of concept earlier in March, uh, where they made hydrogen fuel, uh, with some seawater from the San Francisco Bay. So they've, you know, figured out new, uh, new technologies where the, the electrodes, uh, you know, instead of dissolving in a day can, can last for a year or whatever it is. And, you know, any country that has a has a, a lot of sun and a lot of sea, uh, it's a it's a great source of uh, 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 renewable energy. And because uh, you know investments starting to become justifiable, I can I can see these little plants uh, popping up everywhere. So we're still talking, you know, five, ten, fifteen years down the line. But uh, in the scheme of things, that's not really a very long time. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion about Bitcoin running on 100% renewables in, in 10 to 15 years. Like the the, the business case, uh, just the, the maths won't add up if uh, you know, you're using five or six cent per kilowatt hour uh, power. Uh, you really need to get down to the one and two cent mark. Mm-hmm. And I really think that'll only be possible uh, with renewables, and do you see- especially hydro. Do you yeah? Do you see in a future where Bitcoin mining is highly decentralized in that you know there's these kind of localized down to the perhaps even home where there's ways of of capturing enough waste energy or even generating home-based energy to the point where people you know the mining is so dispersed or do you see the kind of competition for cheap energy and the, the you know opex and all this kind of stuff actually having the reverse effect and just creating these kind of monoliths of energy efficiency and they become the dominant miners. All right. So so the way uh, I see, I made some very very bold predictions. So earlier in January, uh, when uh, when Bitcoin turned ten, uh, I wrote an article. Uh, it was titled uh, "Happy Twentieth Birthday, Bitcoin." So I tried to put myself 10 years in the future and, and predict how far along uh, we'd come. And uh, one, of my, one of my bets is uh, thanks to things like lightning. See, the problem with mining is unless you've spent, you know, 20 or 30 grand on kit, 
uh, you'll only be mining dust. Uh, so whatever you mine, you, you can barely even get it out of the system. But with things like lightning, I can definitely see a layer two or level layer three uh, sort of lightning mining pools where you can get paid out at a, at a sub-Satoshi level. And people might elect every year 0.01% uh, of their stash. Uh, they will dedicate it, uh, you know, to, to lightning mining. As a, as a way to secure their own wealth and make sure things aren't too decentralized. So if you've got uh, millions and millions of people even, you know, uh, producing, uh, you know, very, very limited amount of, amount of hashes, but they can still collect their awards to make it worth their while, uh, I, I do see sort of uh, five or six big pools emerging that take 80% uh, of the hash rate. Uh, with uh, with the other 20% uh, taken up by the stragglers. So a very uh, a Pareto 80-20 kind of thing, which is very common in, uh, in uh, you know, markets as, as competitive as Bitcoin mining. Right. I even, I even uh, posit that uh, the, the Bitcoin mining ecosystem, when you, when you look down the track uh, 20 or 30 years, will be the, the first real-life example of a, of a near-perfectly competitive market. And so is that kind of, is that a trend toward, it doesn't sound like that much more effective decentralization than, than we have now in, term, in terms of mining? Uh, do, you, do you think it will be? I, I think it'll be, it'll be effective enough in that uh, there'll be probably five or six uh, pools. Right. So like the, 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 the biggest pool will probably take a you know, 20% stake and there'll probably be... Uh, uh, you know, ways, uh, you know, proving, proving, uh, you know, transparency, like there will have to be, there'll have to be something I try not to predict, you know, too far into the future. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely think uh, lightning mining uh, could, uh, could hold some appeal for a lot of people uh, willing to mine at a loss uh, to, you know, secure, secure their Bitcoin. What do you, what do you mean by lightning mining? Like, how would that work? So, so for example, if I just have like a hundred dollar piece of kit and uh, you know, I'm mining my daily pool rewards are probably two Satoshi. Uh, so if I want to pull that off the, the pool, I don't even have enough to, you know, to make the, to, to pay the fee. Right. Whereas with lightning, I could pull the two Satoshi out I or see. I could even mine point one of a Satoshi. Oh, I see what you mean. Just, so it's just more economically viable to, to take the reward, basically, even if you can't basically. generate much of it. But that's the point. Yeah, you so generate such a small reward that it wouldn't make sense to, to take, you know, to make a transaction to receive it on chain. But with Lightning, you can. Absolutely, and that and that then starts becoming practical if you've like, because uh, like one one ASIC, uh, you know, uh, non-wholesale prices would probably run you like, uh, you know, three hundred three hundred US. And by the time you plug it in, like you really are probably pulling out maybe a thousand Satoshis a day. Like it's not much if you only have one rig. Uh, and yeah, you know, with with with, uh, with payouts so small, you, you, you can't even get your hands on your payout. So I think Lightning will, will open up a market uh, along the lines of something that, you know, 21 Co was, was envisaging all of that time back where like toasters, a mining and all of that kind of stuff. Right. 
So what's a toaster going to pull down in terms of hashes? But you might still get 0.003 of a Satoshi out of your toaster. <laughs> and, you know, a penny upon penny make many. Right. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. I don't know if it's actually going to be economically or uh, viable in the future. But, I, you know, I had this conversation, I think, with, I think it was Jan Pritzker uh, from Inventing Bitcoin. Um, you know, we were just if you look around your house and you like you look for waste energy, it's not that hard to find some. Now, you, it might not be in, in large or especially heat energy. It might not be in large quantities, but like it's around. And if if as you're saying, the Lightning Network makes it economically viable to uh, to actually somehow capture and use that, then it's a, you know, I'm a real, I'm a advocate slash hopeful slash interested in kind of the the well, well, be, being self-sufficient, and so in, in your home, having almost everything you need to to survive, right? And so we're seeing that now with, with Bitcoin and what that provides in terms of being financially independent and then having your own source of energy in your home, growing your own food, having source of medicine, like all these different things happening directly in the home, kind of anti-globalization, really, uh, not, that, not f for that purpose, but just for independence, for sovereignty, for you know, convenience. And it'll be interesting if uh, integrated into that uh, vision is you know, energy capture and, and, and mining Bitcoin. That would be rad. Yeah, like I said, energy is everything. You sort the energy out and you've sorted out 90% of the problem. And uh, when we say Bitcoin fixes this, we're also saying energy fixes this. Uh, so the more energy you use, the better. We just got to make sure it's uh, it's clean, and we got to figure out better ways uh, on how to capture and store it ourselves. Right. And what what drew you to coming at things in Bitcoin from this angle? You know, like why was this the thing that that kind of cap captured your attention and imagination? Uh, pretty simple, really. Uh, so here's a uh, here's a one-liner for you. So when it comes to engineering the digital world, uh, I wouldn't know shit from shoe polish. Uh, but when it comes to engineering the, the, the physical world, uh, I rate myself uh, quite highly. So my background's in, uh, in civil engineering and, uh, and infrastructure mega projects okay. so, uh, and doing you know, environmental impact assessments on, on huge scale uh, infrastructure and mine projects and all of that. It's, uh, it's what I know and uh, it's what I could offer the community. Uh, so I just uh, dove, dove right in. And what, what about Bitcoin, you know? When did you get red pilled, and, and what about it caused you to, you know, cause you to get red pilled? Like, what what captured your your attention with it in the first place? So uh, I've always been like a uh, an infrastructure man. Uh, you know, we, we I, I remember in your, in your talk with Gigi, you talked about sacrifice. I've always been someone that believes uh, believes in sacrifice. Right. I uh, I had to pick my career at a very young age, so I had to basically make a call on my career uh, at fifteen. And uh, the call I made was civil engineering, uh, simply because we're like uh, the the night's watch of, of civilization. We're responsible for, for engineering, uh, you know, the stuff that keeps civilization ticking, uh, roads, water, yada, 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 yada. Mm -hmm. uh, having done a couple of really big uh, public uh, infrastructure mega projects, I then uh, was uh, was fortunate enough to do a, a, a private public-private partnership. So uh, toll road, 
And uh, I quickly found that when you need uh, big money to build a big infrastructure project, you've got to go hat in hand to some really, really bad people. And they, uh, they definitely do not have the, the public interest at heart with this, uh, with this bit of infrastructure. And uh, I, was, uh, I was red-pilled on the, on the evils of finance. Uh, I, I did a bit of self-study as well. I did level one of the CFA. And, uh, and in that, I, uh, I learned all about the, the, the reserve banking system. So, uh, you know, as an engineering student, we don't really do much economics. We do the, the pretty uh, basic, uh, straightforward stuff. Uh, so as soon as I figured out the, the you know, fractional reserve system and did some research, uh, that's when I knew it was all a scam. Unluckily for me, that was in 2008. So I, uh, I never really looked into it again. Right. Uh, about five years later, though, so I was uh, doing my MBA over in Oxford, and uh, 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 it was it was mentioned in passing to me in April uh, of uh, 2013 after the crash from 250. And uh, you know, I asked my friend, you know, tell me more about it. He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, he tried to explain it to me, couldn't. Let it fall by the wayside. Didn't look into it until uh, later that summer. Uh, again, term passed, uh, came, came by in passing. I looked into it, read the white paper. Uh, at the end of the abstract, I was sold, ready to go all in, in fact. <laughs> uh, but being a student in England, I, uh, like I didn't have you know, uh, access to the banking system and all that kind of stuff. So I had to wait to go back to Australia uh, in October. So, uh, you know, go back to Australia, uh, October, as you know, that's when the that's when the run started going, and I basically uh, didn't get into the to the top 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 of the of the 2013 bubble and and watched it you know crash all the way down. And uh, one of the big pieces of fud you know on the on the crash on the way down uh, was uh, uh, was to was was the environmental impact. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in here. I'm gonna uh, defend this thing uh, that, although it's caused some short-term financial ruin, uh, it's uh, I'm really gonna gonna work on this, push it because it's the only piece of infrastructure worth building. Uh, so I've uh, I've transitioned from uh, from uh, physical infrastructure uh, into into digital infrastructure. And were you shaken out? Did you doubt yourself at all during the the, the bear market of? 1450 oh, like uh, uh, what's it called in my in my talks with Gigi there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of sort of Game of Thrones uh, illusions uh, I considered that uh, the, the the getting stabbed and uh, and dying and uh, and being resurrected so uh, as far as I was concerned those bitcoins were bought and uh, I will I will die holding them even if they're worth nothing right uh, my regret is when it was in in the dumpsters for a good uh, year or so at the three hundred dollar mark. I just I wasn't brave enough to to octuple down. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I doubled down at eight hundred, at six hundred, at five hundred, at four hundred, and then I'm like, I I can't do anymore. Right. Every time I'm buying, it's just dropping another ten twenty percent. So uh, I uh, I do regret not having uh, stronger resolve. Uh, but my resolve was uh, was strong enough, 
Uh, but look, for 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 a newbie in his first bear market and witnessing things like Mount Gox and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, to us, it was a it was a very realistic chance this thing would go to zero. So like, at that time, I hadn't uh, met people, uh, you know, fiercely religious about it uh, like I was. Like, uh, for me, when I look at the price of Bitcoin, I'm not really worried about like my bank balance uh, because. Uh, you know, spiritually, I see Bitcoin as a as a charity. Really, uh, I see it as the only the second charity in history. Uh, whereas, if you where you donate money, uh, you'll you'll enrich yourself. So, uh, so like, what does what does Bitcoin as a charity uh, do? Uh, so, let's take Greenpeace for example. You know, they're out. You know, saving the whales. If you want to donate money to save the whales, you. You know, find your way to Greenpeace. Uh, you know, Red Cross to humanitarian aid. If you, you know, feel like giving your money to humanitarian aid, you go to the Red Cross. Uh, how about people that think, you know, uh, hard money is going to fix the world? Who do they, who do they donate to? Uh, easy. You stack sats. That's a donation. Uh, uh, the more stats you stack, the more people stacking sats alongside you, uh, the, the hard price floor of Bitcoin rises. As the hard floor rises, you have price stability. As you have price stability, you can get the unbanked on the system in a circular economy, and uh, and so on and so on and so on. So, uh, so when I see the the price of Bitcoin dropping, I I, I take it to the to heart. Uh, in that uh, good righteous money is uh, losing against evil money. So, for example, right now in the whole world, I believe there is $150 billion of clean, righteous money and everything else is, is evil money. And uh, when the price of Bitcoin rises, uh, for me, it's uh, it's good overcoming that little bit of evil. Right. And what's you said that Bitcoin is the second charity that is a donation to yourself. Yeah. What or enriches yourself? What What's the first one? Uh, the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> okay, explain that a bit. Uh, I, I I won't go I won't go into it, but the people uh, that are that are inclined in in my political direction will probably get it. It's oh. a it's a it's a play on pay for play. So you donate to the foundation, and you usually get some pretty big contracts out of it. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a. I, that's, I mean, I think a lot of people that are in Bitcoin share a lot of the sentiment that, that you just said, you know, that this is the, the, the cleanest, purest money, most truthful money that, that has ever existed. And it's wild that it's only, you know, there's only 150 billion of it when you consider just the magnitude of the, of the rest of the money that's out there. Do you think, in terms of how this plays out, do you, I mean, how do you see it? replacing you know the shit money that that's pervasive throughout the world today does it just keep trucking along like this because lately there's been there's a lot of talk about you know once it 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 gets big enough to catch the awareness of you know policymakers politicians state actors etc then the uh you know the the oppression on it the re the restrictions the regulation could you know could be fairly onerous not on the the network itself maybe Although that's a possibility, but on the individuals who engage in it, what's your uh, what's your take on that? So, 
just like with anything uh, you know in the world and let's come back to religion here as well and just ideology in general uh, you have to win hearts and minds right it's very important and I think uh, anyone with a curious intellectually honest mind uh, has already been one and uh, they're the they're the hodlers of, of last resort uh, but I think uh, to get the masses on, uh, you know, their minds are receptive, uh, but they're much harder to win uh, than their hearts. And I think things like the little Bitcoin book uh, will will help win uh, the battle for hearts. So, if I imagine, you know, a uh, a uh, your typical well-meaning uh, social justice warrior. If they pick up a book like the Little Bitcoin book, I almost promise you they'll transition from social justice warrior to economic justice warrior overnight. And they'll see that most of these social problems that they're fighting for, it all stems from lack of hard money. Right. Simple as that. Yeah. And yeah. when you can explain the, the human side, you know, uh, struggles in places like Philippines, Nigeria, Eastern Europe, South America, uh, I think that's a that's a that's a very huge part in the in the in the war of you know like it sounds it sounds like crap but like to say you know spread this ideology spread this idea that uh it is it is hard money uh that, that we need to take our civilization to the next step yeah i one of the things that i've been thinking about lately is because at first you just or a lot of us get so excited about this. And I did, I talked about this with Gigi too, actually. But then, you, you know, you, you develop a Zen, you, you go out and you try to tell your best friends and your family and you kind of, you may come off a bit like a, you know, a lunatic or some variation thereof. And then you say, okay, maybe that approach isn't the best way to do it. And I'm just going to do my thing and I'm going to let the benefits that accrue be reflected in me and I'm going to become increasingly Zen about, you know, my Bitcoin zealotry, let, let, let's say. And I get that, and I, and I oscillate back and forth between thinking, okay, just do that. Manage your shit and, and let, let the game play out the way it does. But I also think, well, I don't know. Will that be enough, as you said, to win the hearts and minds if everybody's just quietly doing their thing? And so the other side of the, the, the coin that I think of is, you know, maybe you don't have to be so forceful, pushy, and, feel, you know, exclaim that you just discovered the, you know, <laughs> the, a new god, as it were, but I, I'm starting to think that maybe we should be one, showing our enthusiasm at least more. You know, like there's not that many people in the space that actually are are speakers. You know, you've got Andreas, of course, and I mean I can't really think of many others. But I think it would be good. You know, there's so many different perspectives in the community. There's so many different perspectives and methods of communicating that resonate with a broad variety of different people one you know a, one effective way of communicating for one person will be different from the other will be different from the other and the other and so as this community collects more and more different people coming from different situations speaking in different ways i think if we could all just you know obviously we have to try to be articulate reasonable logical genuine truthful to ourselves but if we can start kind of articulating our enthusiasm about this phenomenon, I think that might be a way to to generate intrigue and to start to win the heart the, win the hearts and minds of of people. And you've got to like it's a it's a soft skill 
uh, you've got to learn how to tap into somebody's heart in particular. Right. Uh, so everyone, everyone has an, has interests. Everyone has you know particular frustrations, and I am such a zealot fundamentalist <laughs> that I can tie back any frustration to Bitcoin fixes this. Right. Yeah, uh, that's. That, I, that, I pull on some heartstrings. I pull on some my mind strings. I pull out dcabtc.com, and uh, and I just I just show them uh, the record, especially for ones that you know, I planted seeds a couple of years ago. Uh, so I was hanging out with my friend James uh, Saturday evening, and I probably mentioned Bitcoin to him four years ago. Uh, so we were, we were talking and, you know, Bit came, came back on the topic. Bitcoin came back on, on topic. And uh, we were talking about it a little. And I'm like, have a look at this website. So I told him to pull up DCABTC. And I said, all right, how long ago did I tell you about Bitcoin? So we put back, you know, four years. And we said, let's say we put, you know, 10 bucks a week. Uh, he would have had a lot of money. So pretty much within a minute of that chat, he's like, that's it. I'm taking the plunge. Uh, got him signed up to to Amber, and uh, yeah, he's got a weekly recurring buy going now. Right. So so just these little plant little seeds uh, everywhere, and uh, if you can't uh, pull heart strings or mind strings, uh, pull wallet strings <laughs> and just show them dcabtc.com. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think for for a lot of people, that is probably the first you know, the first kind of road into this thing. And then once they get in and they realize that they've made some money, then they, you know, they tend to, their ears perk up, they tend to investigate more. And then they, then they start on the path of the rabbit hole as we all do. And you go down that never ending trail. But one of the things you mentioned, you know, you were talking about social justice warriors. And obviously, you know, today, I mean, we've got a recent news event in uh, Greta Thunberg, right? And the the phenomenon of Greta and all the, the climate marches happening all over the world as a result of her activism. And I just, as you said, it all leads back to the type, the monetary medium on which society is, is based. And I, I wish that more of that energy, because, you know, I think most of those people are obviously are, are, are well-meaning. So I don't criticize them for having, you know, the wrong intention. And look, she she did hit a very good point on the head. So one of the things she said is, uh, "Your your delusions of uh, infinite economic growth." Uh, she's hit it on the head. I think if she investigates that statement and uh, and uh, meditates on it, she'll see that that's that's the only statement worth worth following. Mm-hmm. Uh, the delusional infinite economic growth and money printing, because yeah. uh, that's that's the central problem. It's uh, you know, fix easy money and all of this, you know, uh, growth for the sake of growth is just, uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't become possible anymore. It's, it's out of the government's hands. It's just in the market's hands. Right. And, and, and that's, that's my point. You know, they, they fail to investigate it far enough to understand true causes. And I think everyone just gets so wrapped up in emotions and tribalism and virtue signaling and wanting to be a part of something that seems good and genuine and true. And they all go march, you know, on a Friday afternoon. And, you know, it's this big thing. It's lots of media attention. But, do, you know, does it change anything? And the other thing that frustrates me is not just that 
there's a lack of kind of education and investigation to really try to understand the very cause that you're protesting against, but also the kind of abdication of responsibility for your role in the very thing that you're protesting. You know, so for example, everyone, you know, Greta's shtick and everybody's shtick is, you know, the government has to do more. The, you know, we have to hold our leaders accountable. It's like, what do you expect the leaders to do? Like, what is actually the change you're seeking here? Because, okay, well, we want the leaders to place, you know, harsher regulations on the people that are emitting or causing environmental degradation or pollution. And what does that practically mean? Well, they're going to put regulations on them. All of those companies that do that stuff ultimately are, exist to provide you with products and services. So it means that the products and services that you use, the price is going to go up or you're going to be restricted, restricted from using them. In both cases, it's behavior change that you could actually do right now without the government forcing your hand or the hand of the people providing you products and services. So that's the thing that, that really gets me about all this is like, you know, it, investigate, not only investigate root causes, but investigate your life and in which, albeit small ways, but obviously, you know, at scale, these small behaviors have big impacts, how you might be contributing to the problems that you, you think, you know, to these problems that you're your, the reason, the cause for your protest, your involvement in these, these protests. And I think if everybody did, and I think the reason why people have that approach is because there's just such, and Bitcoin is a you know, big part of putting up a mirror to this stuff, but it's such an abdication of res responsibility. It's such a nanny state mentality where we always just, if there's an issue, we ask our, our overlords to take care of it. We ask the government to do it for us. And we don't realize that all they can do is restrict our behavior and the, uh, further, you know? So I, I, it's, uh, it's frustrating, but again, what gives me greater hope than anything is, the, is Bitcoin's existence and its propensity to draw people in and to get people to see the light on this. And, you know, in my conversations on this podcast and many others that haven't been recorded, pe you know, people that get involved in this sp space slowly but surely begin to you know, gain further clarity on, on, on that. They begin to see, you know, their, uh, how, well, whether it's time preference behavior, and, that, and that's another perfect example. I mean, we, the time preference thing is mostly based, I would say, in us wanting to stack sats rather than buy a new pair of jeans. But the, another impact that it has is lowering our consumption of, of, of goods and reducing our waste and reducing our support of, you know, industries and products and services companies that might be having a, a negative impact on the environment. Whatever you think about the validity of the, the climate discussion, I mean, I, I'm not here to pass judgment on that, but, you know, there, there's a pollution and waste and environmental degradation is, is something that's definitely happening. And the, the kind of the greed is good narrative of wanting to lower your time preference in order to stack sats instead of consume is also actually probably extremely beneficial for the environment. So the more people we can get to have that mentality, then probably the better, you know, the less impact, negative impact it'll have on the environment. Preaching to the choir, couldn't agree more. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge environmentalist. Uh, and uh, if you're a legit environmentalist, uh, the, the little thing you can do is stack sats. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Soon as, uh, soon as uh, you know, Bitcoin uh, really, really takes off, uh, 
and you know start overtaking markets and markets being priced in Bitcoin and all of that kind of stuff, you'll find that uh, that companies will find companies and governments will find it extremely hard uh, uh, to consume and pollute as much as as much as they do now. Almost a guarantee. Yeah, definitely. And so, it, I mean, does your faith in this thing, again, to borrow the religious terminology, does your faith in, faith in this thing allow you to see kind of these, you know, these big global movements where people are, you know, are protesting and, you know, basically, I think, taking the wrong approach in, in order to find solutions to these problems? Do you, are you Zen about it? You're like, Bitcoin will fix this in due time? Or do you think it has to be a more active uh, approach to education and to communicating to try to get people to see that a different approach would be more effective in accomplishing their their goals. Um, we've got a bit of a dark answer on this one. Go for it. Uh, so, as as part of my as part of my Zen and as part of my religion, uh, I I see a judgment day and a rapture. Uh, I think. Uh, I think the things like the processes and the and the social stuff will uh, will get worse, uh, far worse before they get better. Uh, so a lot of people talk about you know economic crashes and stuff and, and think about the share prices and whatnot. But there's uh, there will be significant human costs uh, associated with that. And uh, those that have been stacking sats for their salvation will get raptured and and uh, enjoy a uh, you know a better hereafter. Than, uh, than those who did not, uh, but I do I do see problems unfortunately uh, uh, getting worse before they get better, uh, and that's uh, just the perspective of somebody that uh, uh, hit puberty and went through adolescence uh, in the Middle East, so uh, spent you know all my life uh, in the West, barring four or five years of uh, puberty and adolescence where worldviews were kind of formed, and uh, if economies crash, uh, you're going to be in for a bad time. So, uh, you know, that, that's why I'm a, I'm a, a proselytizing zealot. Uh, I want the people uh, who I love to be saved as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big driver for me, like not getting in people's faces. Like so many of like, for example, my cousins who I told about Bitcoin uh, in 2013 uh, laughed and like there was mockery like in the in the 200s and 300s right. but when they had kids I gave their kids sats I don't want their kids to be broke because of their broke ass parents right <laughs> so I mean I hear what you're saying and, and this is you know this is how I started my journey because you know in 2006-7 I um, you know came out of high school started to look at the world and try to understand what the fuck was going on and you know, not that you, I can be, you can never be, have an objective clarity or perspective, but you, you do try to take in all the different information and then form your own conclusions. And my conclusion was, you know, things are fucked and there's, it doesn't seem like there's a way out of this. And then, you know, you, you adapt, you find a silver lining, you try to make life the best you can as uh, anyways. And then Bitcoin comes along and you realize more and more that it, well, as as you were saying, you know, it provides a, a potential, the best potential we have for for salvation or for avoiding that catastrophic sort of uh, future. Um, and look, it, it will be catastrophic. So, so let me give you an example. Yeah, that's uh, what I was leading to. I wanted you to kind of tell me how you think it plays out. 
so so oh eight was like kind of catastrophic uh but like uh no one had to like die so for example uh if you hear the experts on what they on what they think uh about the upcoming uh, uh crashes uh, the 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 big ones that you know could possibly take down uh, the euro and uh, and the dollar and the like. Uh, you think there won't be uh, big major famines in uh, you know places like Africa and Asia? Mm-hmm. So like back in the in the Great Depression, the really 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 bad one, there was probably a, a billion mouths to feed on Earth. So look, this thing is going to get bad, and no one should be praying, uh, you know, for for economic devastation. Even though that, you know, uh, will likely increase, uh, uh, you know, the value uh, of the sats. But uh, I I do have a have a pessimistic view of uh, of what will happen, you know, as a result of you know global liquidity effectively drying up. And and do you think that no matter how much education is done to turn around, you know, the people that are protesting and the and you know their reliance on the government. No, how much? No matter how much we might uh, kind of the virus spreads to people in the in the legacy system, and they start to put more and more, you know, uh, money and value into this thing. Do you just think it's too far gone for it it not to meet that kind of an end? I think. Uh it's just human nature to, to not make a call on these kinds of things until you're at absolute breaking point right. and then you look for, for easy, easy radical solutions. Hitler is a perfect example of the radical solution that the Germans were looking for after the Depression. So they hit breaking point and they're like, we need a fix. Whoever's promising a fix, let's hop on it. Uh, so I think a lot of people have to get to that point uh, before they're ready uh, to take Bitcoin as that option, yeah, and hopefully uh, that option gets apparent to them uh, before they take uh, the easy way out with a with a two bit dictator. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that f- that frightens and frustrates me today is that you know back to the climate example, is that you know all these all these people are so motivated and passionate and emotional about you know joining this this cause and going out on the streets and protesting and then the politicians are only too happy to say sure we'll what do you want us to do we'll we'll do it just you know keep voting for us and then you know it's it's like you said it's the, it's the easiest most obvious you know extreme solution it's not the solu- and and you could say the same uh, maybe on the gun debate you could say the same with healthcare you know People don't want to hear, well, you're going to have to change your life, you're going to have to exercise, you're going to have to eat differently, and you're going to have to do this, or back to the climate thing, you're going to have to not drive your car to work, you're going to have to, you know, uh, you know, wear less clothes because of the pollution that, that required for cotton farming and all that kind of stuff. They just, they want the radical, super easy solution. And the, 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 the problem with the political structure today is that it's able, you know, it's willing and able to say, sure, we'll take care of it for you. And what does we'll take care of it for you mean? It means we'll take more power we'll, via you're you're delegating your responsibility to us. And in doing so, you're delegating your power to us. So, sure, we'll take it and we'll do something with it. And then if there ever comes a time where they're doing something that you don't like, you can't do anything. You know, so exactly right. It's the, you know that, and that's maybe it. It's 
maybe it's a foregone conclusion that you know there has to be catastrophe and I, like I, I object objectively I would agree with you but I can't allow myself not to try to you know act in a way that might uh, make make that wrong you know act in a way that might turn that around you know so I'm you know I'm, I'm at the very beginning of this for for me personally but I I want to try to find ways that of communicating with people that you know there are other ways of going about things that will result in a better outcome ultimately but that may require you know shouldering greater responsibility and greater inconvenience and you know greater hardship in in the short term and i guess it comes down to that thing like what do people really want do they want you know convenience and comfort or do they want freedom and responsibility and I mean, if we look out on the world today, most people have chosen the former. And, you know, I think a lot of Bitcoiners have chosen the latter. And that goes back to my original question. Do we just lead by example and just quietly go about our, our shit? Or do we try to uh, articulate this in, in the best way that we can in our, for whatever audience cares to listen to us, to try to accelerate the the uh, transition to more people thinking that way so as to pr possibly avoid a, a more catastrophic future outcome. The, the beauty of Bitcoin is uh, that there is no we. Uh, so it's uh, you, you do what you do, what you feel uh, uh, you want to and need to do. Right. Uh, th there'll be people, you know, uh, out on the out on the front lines, uh, proselytizing uh, with with terrible OPSEC. Uh, you know, to to get the message out, and there'll be people, you know, keeping keeping their their stuff to themselves. But like, this isn't uh, this isn't about getting rich. This is this is about uh, uh, you know a revolution, and and uh, some people are just going to have to sit down and take a stand. The revolution starts with someone. Yeah. Someone's someone's got to get get a move. Uh, and uh, you know, there are a lot of revolutionaries on the on the front line, and. Uh, 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 like it's uh, it's not an exaggeration to say that these people uh, are willing to die for Bitcoin. That's intense. In terms of in terms of like the success of the network, not you know willing to die to protect their stash. Yeah. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a funny thing, man. I mean, I wouldn't have imagined ten years ago, you know, when I was having those, you know, looking out on the world trying to understand it all that. This is where we'd be in 10 years. You know, we'd have this this thing, and and I, I talked about this with many people. Gigi also being one of them. But you know, it's uh, I think for a generation that for many reasons, some real, some imagined. You know, so back to this climate stuff, and you know, back to just the general outlook that a lot of people in the quote unquote millennial generation or thereabouts feel. I feel like there was a pretty, or is also still a pretty pervasive hopelessness you know because of you know the what they understood to be reality when they looked out on the world and bitcoin has entered the scene and the more you investigate it the more you try to understand it the more you engage in it the more you begin to see that it provides a you know kind of a beacon of hope and it materially changes how you interact with the world even even in the most subtle ways you know like and again i maybe i've said this too often but to be able to wake up in the morning and be excited is probably, 
one of the, the greatest gifts you can give yourself or the, one of the greatest circumstances or situations that anybody can have because it means you, you have more energy and enthusiasm and happiness in the day and that affects all your interactions with all the people you're with and it affects your you know, desire to be creative and innovative and thoughtful uh, in, in all the things that you do in your work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think you know, Bitcoin is very clearly because you know, a lot of people are... are are articulating this now having that effect so i mean i'm who knows how how fast it could accelerate i guess i'm like what i'm hoping is that more and more people see this and it just un you know not by any intentional uh expectation on their behalf but it just kind of starts happening that way that you know hope kind of permeates their mindset and it and it has it starts having all those um all those beneficial effects I think uh, a lot of the hopelessness comes simply because they uh, uh, they can't see that light in the dark just yet. Right. So I used to be I used to be very hopeless as well. Uh, not not hopeless, but I knew the the, the challenges that that lay ahead of me were going to be uh, very great. And uh, due to my mindset and uh, and just how I feel about the world and about others, uh, I knew I was I was should strap in for a difficult life right uh look we we all understand uh, the exponential function uh the younger you are the less you have to unlearn and you can rely on your instincts and you can just you know look at broad trajectories of trends and where things are going so you don't have to be a, a genius at you know 14 15 16 17 years old to you know, have a look at uh, problems we have with things like, you know, just pollution, climate change, uh, poverty, uh, overpopulation, uh, war, so on and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, unless they can, unless they can see, uh, see something uh, that will enable them to, to, you know, influence or impact this, uh, I don't see uh, where hope can come from. Right. Uh, but it's it's very easy. Uh, to fix and uh, implement these things on a personal level, stack sats. <laughs> yeah, stack sats, and the, the issues and the issues will, will resolve themselves. And uh, you know, you 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 get the the, the double win of, of helping out, uh, but also helping yourself out. It's so simple. It's the easiest thing in the universe. Like it's <laughs> like it's it's playing uh, life uh, with with uh, with cheat codes. Man. Like it's not rocket science, just stack sats. Uh, a lot of like, uh, uh, if you want the price to be stable, uh, you better put your nuts on the table. Uh, so, if, so if you care about this thing surviving and being stable, like you gotta, you gotta stack your sats and you gotta do it consistently. Yeah. All right. So what you know, speaking about this change in perspective and you know, Bitcoin being a source of hope and and all of that. What's what's your you know, day to day these days, like, are you full time in, in Bitcoin? No, no, not at all. I, I, I wish I was maybe after the next bull, we'll see how we go. So I still work in the, in the building game. I uh, build uh, residential towers. Uh, so uh, yet, yeah, my day to day is, is strictly connected to the physical world. And I, uh, I get to cross the digital bridge uh, when I come back home in the evenings. Right. And so what is your you know, what do you see as your primary work in the extracurricular digital space right now? 
researching, uh, collaborating, and uh, uh, yeah, researching and collaborating. Got some big collaborations coming up uh, uh, soon. We'll, uh, I'll keep that. I'll keep those cards close to the chest, but uh, be on the lookout for some uh, for some good collaborations. Nice. You know, you bring up a, a point that I think is it's a big X factor in everything we've been discussing, right? Because, you know, as is so often stated, our minds kind of work in a linear fashion. It's very difficult for us to comprehend exponential change. And, you know, maybe it's one bull run from now. Maybe it's, it's two bull runs from now. But, you know, wh- whichever one it is, it's it's I'm excited and it's fun to imagine the kind of all the people that will come out of the woodworks and you know drop the you know whether the career that is not serving them that they don't derive that much meaning from that they don't have real energy and enthusiasm for and begin to devote their expertise and their resources to you know this bitcoin thing and the how that will impact everything i mean that's one of the most exciting things for me about the next bull run like forget the the financial rewards i'm more like man this is going to free up a lot of people just to be able to say okay i i got enough cash now that i can i can you know i don't have to depend on on my 9 to 5 and i can you know search within myself and figure out in which capacity i want to com- you know devote myself and devote my effort to uh, you know, to Bitcoin. And it's, I mean, I can't, again, I can't even imagine all the different ways that people are going to do that. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. Look, uh, uh, it's, it, it definitely is uh, a means of, of giving something back. So, uh, but, but until then, there's, uh, there really is no shame uh, staying humble stacking sats <laughs> and uh, and and when the time's right the time's run for uh, right so for uh, for satoshi so loveth the patient and uh, <laughs> patient is a patience is a huge thing in uh, in religion patience sacrifice uh, and that's that's basically it hard work sacrifice stack sats be patient uh, and collect collect your rewards for the for the hereafter yeah it's it's such a i mean of course we could be wrong but it's such a reliable it feels like such a reliable form of faith right like whereas before i think a lot of people have a difficulty in well as we were saying having a faith and optimism for the future and that 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 very much affects um your behavior and your attitude and the way you engage in the world now because like you know why should I save for the future if I think everything's going to be fucked? Or, you know, why should I sacrifice for the next five years to build a business or to develop myself, you know, personally or to gain experience if I don't think it's going to, you know, net me that much of a benefit? It's not going to get me anywhere in five years' time. But, you know, with what you just said, with this, this you know, this beacon drawing everything forward, it's like, no, if like the sacrifice and the work and all of that kind of stuff that I make now, I mean, it's very clear to see how it could materialize and material benefit in the future. And that is another one of those things that just, it, it, it's a future outcome or the perception of a future outcome that, that genuinely and, and in some cases drastically changes behavior today for the better. And again, that's another one of those things about Bitcoin that you're just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and look, everyone's got to believe in something. Right. Uh, 
you know, why not? Why not believe in something uh, verifiable and unforgeable? You know, my friend the other day, uh, you know, because with, with some of my close friends, they jab me for you know being so gung ho on Bitcoin, and you know, I, it, it's just fun. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. And they're actually starting to like, you know, they make jokes about stacking sats and now they're actually starting to do it. They're not, you know, they're not fully red pilled, but they, you know, they, they, they kind of think there might be something here. And um, but one of them was just like, and, you know, I love them to death. It's not a criticism, but what I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not really so sure about Bitcoin. It seems kind of like a cult to me. And, um, you know, I, I actually it was via text, so I didn't have time to respond in the moment. But I was thinking to myself, yeah, but is that so bad? You know, it, it depends on what the characteristics of the behavior of that cult are, right? If it's a fucking suicide cult, then yeah, it's probably bad. But if it's a cult that inspires, you know, all these beneficial behaviors, then maybe, maybe it's a good thing. Well, uh, I'd, I'd prefer to call Bitcoin a decentralized religion or uh, with, uh, with very uh, uh, broad and differing uh, religious schools of thought Let's put it that way. So you got your your Sunday school people, and you got your you know fundamentalists and everything in between and everything. There's there's no central message. Uh, it's uh, it's literally like Twitter. Every every humble friar will have their followers. <laughs> uh, you know you can choose to follow whoever you want and you know all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, you know we'll all we all have. Uh, different spiritual journeys, uh, but as you were talking about, uh, you know, money, money being the motivator for all human action, or something. Like, you were saying something like that uh, with Gigi, yeah. the other episode, and that even, uh, you know, even religious people uh, chase money. Sure. Uh, I like to, I like to uh, remove the word money and just replace it with rewards. So you can say Bitcoiners are chasing rewards for the hereafter, and the religious are also chasing rewards for you know whatever hereafter their religion ascribes uh, uh, to. Right. Uh, so, so like you know, some people like in the religious sense, you you collect rewards by doing good deeds and all of that, and that'll secure you heaven and a, and a good eternal afterlife, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the Bitcoin world. Stack sats, salvation, good uh, hyper Bitcoinized hereafter. And when you say hereafter, you just mean the future, right? Uh, so, no, in the religious sense, the the hereafter is you know what Death. happens after you die, right. death. Whereas in the Bitcoin world, the hereafter is uh, when it, a hyper Bitcoinized world, when the world is just Bitcoin. Right. Uh, so whoever's been stacking sats now, their hereafter is going to be like heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the the people that haven't been stacking sats, and especially for the no coiners, uh, they're going to have a savage hereafter. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I don't know if if you're up for it, but just for fun, what what do you see? society culture the world civilization as being like in a post hyper bitcoinization world i think the the population uh will be far smaller uh due to the due to the due to the resulting hit that came from the from economic meltdown 
Uh, and and I, I say that like like I was saying, famine, civil wars, instability. Uh, so populations will will take a take a bit of a hit. So it'll be a smaller smaller population. Uh, uh, you know, just like how money makes the world go around now, and there's you know a huge industry around the world of finance. There'll be a huge energy industry around the world of Bitcoin. Uh, we'll probably have. Uh, you know, energy abundance, uh, and I, I effectively think it'll it'll be uh, uh, quite utopic when all the when all the dust is settled. How are you preparing for this transition that you're seeing, other than stacking oh, sats, of course? But it's uh, you know, you gotta you gotta play it by ear. You can't fight nature, uh, and that's why uh, and that's why Bitcoin wins. Uh, Bitcoin is nature. But I mean, so, like, if you're seeing such a dramatic, let's say, population decline, would you be someone who's preparing by, you know, buying dried food, having a, you know, place in, in, you know, outside of city centers to live? Like, you know, how does one prepare for such a drastic, tumultuous time? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm lucky enough to live in Australia, so uh, we might not. Uh, We'll probably get early warning signs from, uh, from uh, you know the the less stable patches around the world. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really I haven't uh, really thought too much uh, too much about prep. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for now, I'm thinking about uh, like all of us should be uh, uh, thinking about just keeping ourselves alive, uh, being patient, and stacking sats, and whatever will come will come. Right. All right, last question before, or a second last before we get into the, the rapid fire stuff. But what, you know, a, a, do you have any kind of vision for yourself over the next two, three years, right? Like you're, as you met, you know, people are interested in hearing about the work that you've done. You know, you've, you mentioned you were in Riga a few weeks ago. Like, you know, what, do you, what, do you, what are you excited about doing in, in your world in the next couple of years? And I know you can't give away any of the collaborations that you're working on, but like what prior to, you know, the big change, let's say, should it come? What, what, what's most exciting to you? Uh, I've actually uh, been thinking about using, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my strengths, my personality strengths. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd very much like to get into something like, uh, like lobbying. Interesting. Uh, because, uh, like, I don't like, uh, you know, dealing with government. I don't really trust them and I don't really like them. Uh, but I think in this particular situation, governments may be able to facilitate a softer landing. Right. By just, you know, testing the waters, encouraging, like, you know, uh, Bitcoin entrepreneurship, uh, you know, a favorable regulatory environment for miners, all that kind. Just, just get themselves ready for it. Not, not like the central bank stockpiling Bitcoin or something. Right. Just, uh, just get their, their, get their economies ready. Get their, get their, you know, population used to the concept. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ways that you know, uh, confident governments uh, can introduce this to, to their populations. I don't see uh, uh, many, many. Uh, People with many countries with like you know insecure currencies uh, uh, taking taking such a stance, and I think in those places uh, they can probably expect a much harder landing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting, and it, it'd be 
it'll be interesting also to see if these sort of initiatives pop up and to what degree the community, and I, I know it's just a collection of individuals, but you know, we, we, we do share a lot of uh, leanings and, and philosophies, but to what degree you know, the community would be willing to fund certain efforts? You know? Like if somebody said that, that as you just described, that's gonna be the type of work that they wanna do, you know, you know, would the community be willing to fund that to the tune of you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, a couple million dollars? Like I, I'm really excited as this grows and grows, and perhaps we're not at that level yet, but, you know, one example, and I, I think I talked about this with Gigi too, was, was the Pineapple Fund and Mr. Pine and how he came into a bunch of money as a result of being an early investor in Bitcoin and uh, donated, donated it to a bunch of different charities and MAPS, which, you know, an organization that I uh, follow very closely, um, was the biggest recipient. I think he gave them $8 million ultimately. And just things like that where uh, maybe it just accelerates this change into a, I'm hesitant to word, use the word utopia, but just like, let's say a much better world whereby, you know, people with, uh, with means and altruism are able to more effectively support the causes that they think are important, whether that be for profit or not. No, no, I definitely agree with that. So uh, uh, that brings me to a to a sort of another point on uh, on wealth distribution and uh, the concept of uh, noblesse oblige, uh, which is a French term means the, the 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 obligations of the nobility or nobility rather. And like some good examples of that in America were like the the Rockefeller family opening up libraries and and hospitals and all that. So you 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 sh should expect. The, the whales to do some heavy lifting uh, but you know you can't force anyone to, to do anything right uh, so I'm, I'd naturally uh, uh, expect you know some really enthusiastic maybe little dolphins uh, that have uh, you know cashed out enough uh, you know to be able to, to live somewhere with a with a passive stream of income uh, covering all their expenses uh, just doing that working full-time on Bitcoin and getting on with it, not going to ask anyone for money. Yeah. Uh, but that, again, that just takes time, patience, and cycles. And uh, the, the more patient you are and the harder you stack, uh, you know, the earlier you can get to that you know, position of freedom to just uh, you know, follow, follow passion projects. Man, it's exciting talking to you. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I just I'm all, I'm always excited when when the the conversation goes this way or really any conversation about Bitcoin which is why I do this but um uh going back to the very beginning of this discussion one thing I wanted to ask you was and I I mean I know it may be overkill and there may be no simple answer but when the environmental question comes up you know in conversation in media whatever these days from your perspective, basically, I'm looking for like what's a good like one-liner or a short explanation of why the concerns of the environmental concerns about Bitcoin that like a no-coiner pre-coiner might have are are misplaced, and how to kind of you know uh, satisfy those fears, you know, in conversation with them. What would what what would you or do you say? I don't have a one-liner, but I've got like a little three-liner. Okay. So the first line is it's it's not the energy that counts it's the emissions right so that's the first one and because bitcoin is tied effectively to the grid when the grid is clean bitcoin's going to be clean doesn't matter how much energy it uses 
Second one is, would, would you trust uh, uh, money that, that hasn't been backed by, by work? So like you can trust gold because someone's worked their ass off to pull it out of the ground. Uh, same thing as Bitcoin. Some computers have worked their ass off and paid about you know $7,000 worth of electricity for something that's worth $8,000. Uh, you know, so could you could you then trust uh, uh, paper that no work went into to, to generate? Uh, so I, you know, kind of show, you know, energy as the necessary evil. Like you can't trust something that hasn't been backed by work. If you want your work uh, to to you know maintain its value over time, the work and labor you put in to to earn this money, uh, how can you how can you uh, even accept to hold uh, you know, this money, this work, if it isn't backed by other work. So it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's easier to explain to people that have a good grasp of algebra. Uh, but it, it also requires a, an element of Zen. So here's, here's the al algebra as aspect of it. Uh, uh, energy equal, uh, uh, uh work equal bitcoin equal life equal nature and it's uh, and it's all energy so by the so by the transitive property of algebra you know bitcoin is life bitcoin is nature uh, bitcoin is energy and any any analogies or, or or you know anything you can read out of that anything you can read out of nature uh, it all it all applies back to bitcoin so do you think the 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 total value of the money supply globally that we use should be uh, represented in in energy. That was, the, that was put the wrong way, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, should because yeah. right, right now we yes. have a money supply that's just you know it's not based in in energy. But should not the money that we use have a direct foundation in and cost in the amount of energy that went into producing it. Yes, absolutely. Hence why Bitcoin is the monetization of energy. Right, right. So you put energy into the Bitcoin network and out comes money. So when people say Bitcoin uses too much energy, one of the answers that... Because it has to. Right, right. But one of the answers that they're not going to like is, and it should be using way, way, way more. Because we want, yep. we want the amount of energy Bitcoin uses to essentially ultimately reflect all of the money that we use to transact in the world, right? Yeah. So the I, value of all the money in the world should be the amount of energy that we're using. Yeah, it, that's, that's, that's effectively it. <laughs> that's, that's basically it. So a lot of people say like, yeah, the first trillionaire is you know, going to be like uh, you know, Satoshi or someone like uh, something like that. No, I reckon the first person that figures out how to put like a, a you know a, a nuclear power plant in a shoebox uh, there's your first trillionaire right interesting i reckon yeah totally possible um before we get going on the rapid fire is there anything else you wanted to discuss uh no no i i think that's it let's uh let's roll up the let's roll up the sleeves and, and get the rapid fire all right let's do it what's up guys that is the end of the further discussion portion of my interview with Hass. the rapid fire episode is available now too so if you want to hear more from Hass, head on over and check that out later <laughs>